Hello, and welcome to the Celeste Stein Show. I'm your host, Dr. Celeste Stein, and today we invite you to like, share, and subscribe from wherever you may be tuning in today. Our focus is on news you can use, important self-help topics, and music that's good for the soul. I'd like to remind you that this is an open forum, and we do have some time in the show for questions and comments. So if you'd like to weigh in, please feel free to give us a call at 1-888-627-6008. That number again is 1-888-627-6008. And please feel free to call in. Now today we have a very special guest joining us to talk about leadership. In the times we are living in today, We certainly could all use some advice from those who truly know how to lead others in the right direction and what it actually means to be a leader. My guest today really doesn't need much of an introduction because his reputation is well known globally as a leader in the business community. He spent nearly 30 years with Tractor Supply Company, mostly as its president and chairman. During his tenure with Tractor, he developed a corporate culture, which is still very much admired and respected today. He also led the successful effort to take Tractor Supply public in 1994. Today, Joe Scarlett joins us to talk about leadership and his own very personal story on how we can all work hard, have fun, and make money. Joe, thanks so much for joining me today. Well, it's nice to be with you. I'm glad to be able I love to talk about leadership, so let's get rolling. Yeah, let's get started here. So I want to start by asking you to just give us a quick sketch of your career. Well, I grew up in in New Jersey. I've only worked for two companies in my life. I worked for a a discount store chain in New Jersey for 15 years, and mostly it was in store operations, running stores and running departments in stores. I did spend uh, an interesting final two years there as the personnel director, which was quite an interesting uh, you know, learning experience for me going from a, uh, for a, from a job where you tell people what to do to a job where you have to sell your ideas. I joined Tractor Supply Company in 1979 and was with the company for, until uh, I retired at the end of 2007. Uh, after uh, our, our uh, year and a half there, the fellow who hired me left and a new president took over, and he and I worked together very closely, and he made me the number two person in the company uh, in 1981, and he and I worked together for a long time, bought the company with some other folks in 1982, and ran it as a private company until 1994. Uh, my predecessor retired, and uh, I went on to take the company public in 1994, as you mentioned earlier, and uh, retired in 2007 with nearly a 1,000 stores, and today there are nearly 2,000 stores and the companies just continue to run very, very well in spite of my retirement 13 years ago. Right, which is, is amazing to see that growth, that expansion over uh, those years. And I just want to kind of ask you a little bit about your philosophy on the history uh, there at Tractor Supply and, and your philosophy on working hard, having fun, and making money. It doesn't seem like many people are doing that anymore these days. So tell us about, you know, how you adopted that philosophy. Uh, let me walk back a, a little bit of history first. The company was founded selling tractor parts to farmers. 
and that business over time eroded and, and uh, as people didn't need to repair vehicles anymore. And in, in the 19, early 1980s, when my predecessor and I took over, we moved toward a different customer, marketing to what we call a hobby farmer. And those are typically a full family unit. They have a couple of acres of land and they probably drive a pickup truck and they probably have dogs and cats and maybe some other animals. And, and, uh, and they, they could be doctors or lawyers or factory workers or school teachers, but that's their lifestyle. And when we moved from, from focusing on farmers to focusing on hobby farmers, it changed the dynamics of the business. And, and that is one of the two key success factors in our history. The second success factor is creating a culture based on always doing the right thing. And, and as you mentioned, our, our mission starts off with to work hard, have fun, and make money. And, and as you might imagine, working hard is part of the philosophy of any company. And, and having fun is not. There are very few companies that where you can say have fun as part of the mission. But we say that uh, because about 90% of our, our team members are customer facing in the stores. And so you want people to be having fun. You want them to be pleasant and enjoying themselves. Plus, when people are having fun and they feel positive about their work environment, they tend to stay with you longer. They tend to produce more. They tend to be sick less. And, and uh, we just try to create an environment where, where everybody can work together. Additionally, we talk about making money, which every company wants to do, of course. But our philosophy is that we're going to share a portion of our success with every team member in the company. So every team member is on a, on a performance-based uh, bonus plan of one sort or another. Uh, uh, the, the most interesting example is in the stores where every month you have a sales goal. And when the store hits the sales goal, we put one half of 1% into a bonus pool that's paid out a couple of weeks later. So we're always in there with incentives trying to share with people a portion of their contributions. It, it's strategically set so that when we hit our sales goal, we begin to make more money. Or sharing the additional profit back with our employees is simply a very positive thing to do. Mm -hmm. At what point did you kind of figure that out? Like, uh, I'm sure you didn't kind of start off that way um, as you started the company, but at what point did you look at profit sharing and, and uh, having people be a part of that success? That, that was very early on when, when, when my predecessor took over running the company. That was his philosophy, and I joined in it, obviously, but it was, a, it was a, a process of as you build a, a financial plan, once you hit your goal, you start, you go over that goal, let's share with the people who are producing the results. Uh, and and that's, that's been the philosophy since uh, 1981. And, it, and some of the formulas have not changed since 1981. And we've had a lot of people be very, very successful in the company. Great, uh, great philosophy. I'm sure it definitely has, has worked well for many, many years. So I want to talk a little bit now about leadership. Um, do you think you were born a leader or are these skills that are, are learned? Uh, I, I, that's often a question that's asked, are leaders born or, or made? And I'm, I'm of the opinion that, that most anybody with the right attributes can become a leader. And, and first of all, you, you, you have to have common sense. If you, if, you, if you can't apply common sense, you're gonna have a hard time becoming a leader. But if, if you can apply common sense, if you don't let your ego get a hold of you, if, if you're able to listen and work with people uh, and set clear direction, uh, I think that, that most people can become leaders. 
uh, uh, the most successful leaders I've seen, most of them become leaders at relatively young ages. Uh, it's it's some, sometimes difficult to pick somebody in their 50s and so all of a sudden you're going to start managing other people for the first time. But, but typically leaders begin to be leaders at early, early ages and, and I'm, I, I think that most anybody can with the right attitudes uh, and, and the right philosophy and the, and the ability to say, yes, we're all in this together. Great point, great point. We're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we're gonna continue the conversation on leadership. We'll be back right after this. A lot of things have come to a screeching halt due to COVID-19, but you should know that the court system in Tennessee is still open and holding in-person hearings for orders of protection and other types of abuse cases. If you have a hearing date, double check on where your hearing will be held. If you need assistance on an order of protection or temporary restraining order, contact the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443 or visit our website at www.las.org. And welcome back to the Celestine Show. We're speaking with Joe Scarlett of the Scarlett Family Foundation and former president and chairman of Tractor Supply Company. And Joe, as we uh, engage uh, further in this conversation on leadership, um, how important, if you, if you are in a position of leadership, how important do you think it is to actually study leadership and what that means? Well, my, my, my own background is I've been studying leadership my entire life. I've been in leadership roles since I was in my early 20s. And, and uh, I think it's essential. If you want to be a good leader, you've got to keep learning all the time. And there are numerous ways you can learn. Uh, one, obviously, is, is observing what others are doing. Uh, you, everybody works for somebody else, or most people do. And you can observe what they're doing and say, they're doing this well, they're doing this well, and they're not doing that well. And I can learn from that. You can also learn from, from uh, observing what people are doing in other businesses or what your peers are doing. And it's, you know, when you see employees who are fired up and enthusiastic and doing a good job, you need to go look at that person's boss and see what are they doing to create this kind of environment. Uh, I, I don't think that management, I don't think leadership is very complicated. I think it's a matter of, of applying common sense observing what's being done, do what works and don't do what doesn't work. Uh, I so often see bosses that, that are reluctant to delegate responsibility. Well, I, I have just the opposite approach here. I think the more you can delegate, the more providing for the right people, the more those people can stand on their own two feet and feel confident about what they're doing. Uh, and I think um, as we talk about that delegation, I think a lot of people in leadership sometimes have trouble um, delegating when they are so busy with tasks because truth be told I think it takes a lot of time to train someone um, you know you can't delegate a responsibility most of the time without teaching someone what it is you're delegating and the expectations and, and the responsibilities that come along with that would you agree with that Oh, I, I absolutely would. Uh, it's delegation is essential. You can't delegate to people who don't know what they're doing. But, but I, I would tell to any leader, one of the most important things you ever do is the teaching and coaching of your people. And, and, and the, the better you, the more you do to develop your people, the more 
more you will be able to delegate and then the more time you will be able to devote to planning ahead and looking to the future and, and, and assessing uh, the obstacles that you may run into down the road. Uh, and, and I do see a lot of people who are reluctant to delegate and, and a number of things come out of that. You show a lack of trust for the people working for you, which is not the way to build teams. Uh, and, and then you wind up often becoming a micromanager, which, which is one of the worst things you can do as a leader because you're doing the work for the people that you're paying to do the work. So <laughs> That's I, I, not a good thing at all, is it? <laughs> Why do you, yeah, exactly. I want to tell you a story, early, early life story. I was working for this discount store chain and I was responsible for the checkouts. There were 20 checkouts, it was a busy store and, uh, and, and we were closing up at night and the customers were gone and there's a lot of work to be done at that point. We've got to check out the cash drawers. We've got to bring out new paper bags. We've got to sweep the floor, take out the trash. It's, it's a lot of work and I've got all these people, I think, working. And so I decide, well, I'm going to go pitch in and start loading some of the paper bags, which I was doing. And, and all of a sudden, this pause on my shoulder dragging me back into the ladies' coat department. Uh, a, a big old, wise old store manager, Vic Grosso, and put his arm around me and he said, Joe, we're not paying you to load paper bags. We're paying you to run this operation. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of yourself as an orchestra leader. It's up to you to get all these different people to play all these different instruments to produce a good tune or to get all these different personalities to work together to produce a result. Now, how often do you see an orchestra leader playing an instrument? Not very often. So it's your job to orchestrate the success of your whole team. And it changed the way I thought about delegation from that point forward. And I've worked forever to become a good delegator. And I think that most successful leaders have to be good delegators or they wind up immersed in the details and don't see the big picture. That's a great point. I also want to know in terms of uh, leadership training, I mean, do you send people or were you sent to some type of leadership training or did you sincerely kind of come up on on your own with all of that you know in in terms of how you had everybody to be able to do the job and work together as a team uh, I, I i personally tried to try to keep an open mind and, and i was never afraid to do different things and i just i, I learned some from my bosses uh, some from my peers and some from just applying com common sense to, to things uh, I, I had very little formal leadership training. Uh, however, I, I do believe that it's very, very important. And Attractive Supply, one of the keys to our success uh, underneath the building of a great culture is, is building the leadership team. And we work very hard. We have something today called Tractor Supply University, or as we like to say, Tractor U. And, and we run classes for leadership at three different levels, at the store manager level, at the district manager level, and the executive level. Just for example, if you're training to become a store manager, you can only train in about 10% of the stores where the store managers are certified to be teachers. And then before you can actually run a store, you have to come into Nashville and you have to go through a one-week class. And the class is all about it's about the softer skills of business. It's not about the technical things. It's about how to hire good people, how to build teamwork, how to get do rep, represent yourself well in the community, how to do performance evaluations, how to deal with performance problems. Um, all these different things that have to do with 
with the softer skills of business, which is really leadership. And most of the classes are taught by the senior executives. So by the time you leave there at the end of the week, you've met every senior executive and had a chance to ask every question under the sun. So that by the time you start running a store, whether it's around the corner in Tennessee or in California, it doesn't make any difference. You know, you've been able to talk to everybody. Uh, you've been able to understand what leadership is about from the, from the top. And, and, and we try to empower people to run their stores without having to look over their shoulders and ask a lot of questions. Have you had to make any adaptations as a result of the coronavirus pandemic? Um, a lot of companies are struggling. I see a lot of uh, companies with now hiring signs. It's been quite a, a paradigm shift for a lot of people in terms of where we were just a little over a year ago. Um, can you tell me... Uh, you know, if some of that training has changed, and if so, how? Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm retired, so I'm, I'm not living through the coronavirus things as a leader, but I do know what Tractor Supply has done, and they've been they've taken a very proactive approach uh, to, to the process. Um, they've, they've offered all sorts of pre-testing. They've given people time off to get vaccinated. They've, they've paid them for, for vaccination. Uh, and, and, and requiring masks and, and doing all these common sense things uh, to, to, to make things happen. Has the training process changed? I, I do not know, but I would imagine it has because you, you can't get 50 people together in a room together to teach them anymore. So they must be doing those kinds of things virtually today. But I do know that, that they want to get back together collectively as, 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 as soon as they can. As a matter of fact, uh, Tractor Supply had a, a store manager meeting here in Nashville back in July. Had 2,000 managers here, and that was a time when the coronavirus was going down, uh, and uh, and everybody had to be tested before they got here. And from what I understand, there's been no outbreak as a result of that. Uh, so they, they, and that's a three-four-day training session uh, and, and information sharing session for those managers. Great. Wonderful. Um, also, you mentioned a few minutes ago um, that there have been several people, you've had some great people to follow as examples. Who are some of the people that have really, uh, in terms of leadership, influenced your life? Uh, I was thinking about that before we got on the call. There are a few of them with you. One was my father. My, my, I was fortunate that my father worked on Wall Street. Uh, uh, we lived in New Jersey and he was in New York every day. He would listen to CEOs speak and, and other business leaders. And, and at night when we had dinner, he would often share with us, share with me stories about the, the people he had met and the business strategies they were following. And he sometimes he'd talk about the character of the people he met. And, and sometimes he'd say, I don't trust that guy. And uh, I remember one time, about two years later, after one of those things, he said, I told you I didn't trust him. And he wound up going to jail and getting getting in big trouble so I, I learned about I learned about business strategy and about leadership from my dad uh, later on my predecessor factory supply Tom Hennessy uh, he was uh, 10 or 15 years older than I was he was a mature business guy and I was sort of a wild and crazy young man and we worked together very well and he was a great mentor uh, in terms of just keep, keeping me under control for and helping me mature into being a, a, a better executive. 
Uh, one of the things uh, I'll never forget, he said, whatever, whatever you do, one thing you should sure do is, is sleep on it, don't act on it. And, and it's amazing how that discipline has changed the number of things that I might have otherwise done in my life. Uh, you know, when you get excited about something that didn't happen right, sleep on it. The next day, you will approach it, but you'll approach it in a calmer, more mature way and get a, a better result. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's so important. Sometimes um, my mom always always has this saying, you know, tomorrow is another day. And uh, sometimes we just need to give things some time uh, as we deal with particular situations, uh, kind of clear your head so that you can come back and regroup, have a fresh perspective or focus. Um, we're going to take another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about values in leadership. We'll be back in just a moment. When it comes to relationships, there are some obvious signs you can use to spot someone who might be abusive. First, they have a tendency to want to rush into a relationship. They may also show signs of jealousy and mistrust. And you could find they expect you to be perfect and will try to cut you off from other important relationships. They could also be abusive towards animals and children. To learn more about the signs of dangerous individuals and how you can identify and avoid unhealthy relationships, contact the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443. All right, welcome back to the Celestine Show. We are with Joe Scarlett of the Scarlett Family Foundation, and we're talking about leadership. And so the next thing I wanted to ask you about are values in leadership. How important uh, when it comes to leadership are one's values? I, I have always believed in doing the right things from, from the time I was, well, not when I was a teenager, but after I was a teenager and throughout business, uh, I, I've always felt that doing the right thing is, is the only way to go. And, and the company I worked for in New Jersey, there was a lot of unethical behavior in that company. And, and I vowed that when I, if I ever was running a company, I, I would do things the right way all the time. So I think, I think being an ethical performer is simply an essential component of being, of, of being a leader. And, and it, that encompasses so many things. When you give your word about something, you've got to keep it. When you say something, you, you, you've got to be sincere about it. Uh, and and it, it's, it's a process of always setting the right standard for people, doing the right thing uh, in, in every respect. And, and people respect you when you're honest and straightforward. But if, if you as a leader are doing, if you're cutting corners, doing things that are unethical or dishonest or immoral or anything like that, you lose the respect of the people working for you. Uh, and, and I think that's absolutely essential wherever you are in life and not just in business. Uh, just walk the high road. Every, you always win when you walk in the high road. And if you're doing things that are, that, that are not on the high road, sooner or later it's going to come back to bite you. Uh, I'm of the opinion that the bad guys all get caught sooner or later, some sooner, some later. Uh, so just always walk the high road. And if things, sometimes things are more difficult, sometimes it may be easier to take a shortcut. But in the long run, it's better not to take the shortcut. It's better to do the right thing. And it's particularly important with people. Do the right thing with your people all the time. And when you do, they will respect you. And, and, and they will, you know, when, when you do good things with your people, they will tend to look harder for you. And if you do a lot of good things, sometimes they'll walk through all the So all, always walk the high road and stays off. 
Um, how do you think you actually set that direction as a leader? You know, you're kind of personally, how have you been able to do that so successfully? Two, two things. One, you have to talk about it. When you're a leader, it's important that you talk about your values. And, and I made a point of talking about our Muslim values every time we had, a, we had a large meeting of any sort, or even small meetings. So we were always, they always heard, heard me preaching the, preaching the gospel, so to speak, about the importance of, of, of ethics and respect and building teams and communicating effectively. Uh, so I was always talking about that, but I also demonstrated that, that kind of performance. For example, uh, we always talked about being a frugal company. But, so, so when we went on, on these road trips to the stores, which we did an awful lot of, uh, we would we would do, we would do things like we stay at the Hampton Inn. We travel on an inexpensive airline like Southwest. We'd have lunch at Subway and dinner at the Olive Garden or something like that. So we were we were demonstrating what we what we what we prophesied all the time. So just setting the right example and and um, being respectful of, of people. Another interesting issue of being respectful, for example. Is, if you're running a meeting, start your meeting on time. Be respectful of other people's time. And, and if, you're, if you're running the meeting, it's supposed to last an hour, maybe five minutes early, everybody loves you. And at a half an hour later, everybody hates you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Like some people uh, do not respect uh, other people's time. And, and that is uh, something that, you know, I think is really key in terms of, of leadership. Um, when it comes to uh, collaboration and collaborative efforts, you know, I think a lot of people kind of want to just be heard, you know, and know that those who are in authority or leadership, that they are listening. But do you think it's really important uh, from a leadership standpoint to be able to collaborate and accept uh, new ideas from others as a leader, uh, if you have a set agenda? I, I, I absolutely do. And let me start off with the very, sort of the basic here. Uh, in, in my 30 years with Tractor Supply, about half of my work weeks went something like this. I left town on Monday. I took with me a regional operating vice president responsible for 100 stores and often took another promising person with us from anywhere in the building an up-and-coming buyer or accountant or technology person, <clears throat> and, and we would hook up somewhere with a district manager, and we spend the next three days in the store. Uh, we spend two or three hours in every store, and we talk to every team member in the store and every customer, and we, we continually listening, not, not, not telling people what to do, but listening uh, about what's happening. And I can tell you absolutely the very best ideas about improving the stores, about improving the product assortment, about improving the processes, came from listening to those people in the stores. And, and, and that's collaborating at, at, at the very, very basic level. We use that, that was the way we communicated, we continually listening to this collaboration. And we do the same thing at the high levels too. It's not a matter of somebody walked in and say, we're going to do this. We get to big issues. We get the key players together and, and we, we work together as, as, a, as a team to decide what is the best solution to this, to this issue. Mm -hmm. and, and, and one other piece of leadership in this regard is when you're a leader, 
you should be the last word, person to pass your opinion on things. Because if you start off a meeting and you say, all right, my opinion is going to do this, there are some people in the room that are going to say, yeah, you, yeah, boss, we agree with you, when they really don't. So get every, draw everybody out before you meet and make any final decisions about, about doing anything. That's the kind of collaboration that will give you the best bottom line results. Yeah, a lot of times I think people don't even think about that, how uh, those who are in administration or leadership, they set the tone. And so automatically, you might cut off some really good ideas if you start out by saying this is what we're going to do or how we're going to do it without getting that valuable key information first. Um, right now, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss what one should do when they perceive that leadership is lacking. We'll be back right after this. Domestic violence between intimate partners is expected to rise by 20% during and coming out of the quarantine shutdown. There are steps you can take to protect yourself. Don't wait for an abuser to hurt you. Call the police if you feel threatened. If your abuser begins to stalk you, it might be time for an order of protection. Once you get it, carry it with you and show it to police if you must call them. For more information, call the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443. Welcome back. You're listening to the Celeste Stein Show on BBS Radio Station One, which can be found on iHeartRadio and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in to this very important conversation on leadership with Joe Scarlett of the Scarlett Family Foundation. Now, my next question is whether you think employees should ever question leadership. Uh, I would hope that, that whatever leadership you're involved in is open enough to listen. Uh, some, sometimes you find leaders who have closed minds and don't want to listen, which is very unfortunate. But, but when it comes to, you know, a decision's been made, we're going to do this, and the boss says we're going down, going down this, this direction, I guess you, you, you got to follow the boss. I was hopefully you would have some input into, particularly at high levels, into where you're going now. If the boss is directing you to do something that's illegal, immoral, or unethical, it's certainly time to speak up uh, and, and raise questions. You don't have to be nasty about it, but, but you shouldn't just blindly go about doing things that, 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 are, not, that are wrong. I, I'll give you a classic example of, of where it's, the culture deteriorated because of a lack of leadership. And this, a, this goes back a few years with Volkswagen. Uh, the Volkswagen engineers in Europe were lying and cheating about the uh, emissions on the diesel engines in their cars. And, and eventually that all came, came home to roost. And Volkswagen paid something like $25 billion, not millions, but billion dollars in fines. Hmm. And what you have there is you have a breakdown of leadership. The, 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 the people at the top of the company, they may have been the most ethical people in the world, but they did not create a culture where the, where the engineers realize that, that this is an ethical company and we're not going to lie and cheat. And, and as a result, the engineers felt it was fine to do that. And, and, and they wound up costing the company $25 billion as well as damaging their reputation immeasurably. And, and so it, you always got to walk the high road and, and do not allow your leadership to walk you down the bad road. And that's the one you need to speak up. Right. That reminds me of the Space Shuttle Challenger 
you know, there were problems, known problems that the engineers knew about with the O-ring with the Space Shuttle Challenger. And um, there was somebody who spoke up, but leadership did not listen and wanted to proceed forward. And, and we see what happened with that. So those are both some great examples of why it's so important to listen to people um, if they maybe are not agreeing with a particular direction that the company might want to go in, it may end up saving and costing, uh, you know, uh, not costing the company, you know, millions or in in some cases billions of dollars because of of mistakes that might be made. So I think that is also a very wonderful point that you just made. Um, Let's talk about the leadership team. Uh, How important is it to select the people that you have backing you up on the leadership team? When you're in a leadership role, your team, your team is everything. Typically, you've got four, five, six, or seven people around you that contribute. And it's important that you have the right people there. And, and the right people are not seven of your best friends. You, you need a variety of people on your team that bring, bring a certain amount of the right kind of expertise. Uh, you may want somebody who's good at technology, somebody else who's good at HR, and somebody else who's good at, at, at legal things. And it depends on the business you're in, but you want different skills in, in, your, in your team, and you also want different personalities. You don't want everybody who's all buddy-buddy because they all agree on things together without, without good debate. So the selection of the people, on, on your, I would say the most important decision the leaders ever made is the selection of the people on their leadership teams, and when you when you when you put time, when you put the right amount of time in, in, in time and effort into selecting the right people, in the long run they will be the ones that will help you the most. Whereas I like to say in the training classes, surround yourself with stars and you can be a star. Surround yourself with monkeys and you're going to get sliced up for Thanksgiving. Oh gosh. <laughs> Um, one thing, uh, though, you mentioned just a minute ago, you know, different skills. So, uh, what do you think are some of the most, uh, pertinent skills, uh, that you should be looking for from people on your team? Well, that that really would would depend on what kind of business you're you're in. So that would be, you may want specific, uh, motor skills, but, but in terms of just participatory skills, you want people to communicate effectively that aren't overly emotional, that I like to say that an IQ above a tree stuff. You, you, you want people who are relatively intelligent around you. Uh, you want people who are creative. Uh, at least some of the people created will come think outside the box, so you'll come up with different ideas. Uh, it, it's a, you know, you'd have to, to sort of, you might want to make a list for yourself. Here are the, here are the, here are the skills that I really want. And check off you know, when, when you're building people on your team. If you get most of what you're looking for, that, that's perfect. But I would, I would caution everybody: you don't want all the same skills because you, you, you tend not to get divergent ideas, which you which you need in order to be a good leader. You've got to be able to hear all the ideas to make the best decisions. Yeah, how important are, are great writing skills? <clears throat> As you grow in leadership, there are some skills that are very important as you move forward. Writing is one of them. Uh, when you, you've got to make a pitch to your boss in writing, 
if you, you can't write effectively, you're not going to be successful making that pitch. Uh, so some of us have great writing skills, some of us are terrible, most of us are in between somewhere. So it, it, you've got to work on it effectively. When you work for me, for example, I would say, you want to sell me on an idea, if you can't put it on one page, you're giving me more detail than I need. Give me a one page, I like to see things in bullet point form, for example. But high level people, when they're going to read something, they're, they're looking at boom, boom, boom. They're not going to, they don't want to read 10 pages worth of single space paragraph. So writing effectively is very important. Uh, I'll tell you something that I do. I write a column for the uh, National Business Journal, a leadership column. And by the way, if anybody wants that sort of ghostdollar.com, you can sign up for it. But uh, I, I'm, I'm an okay writer. I'm not great, I'm not terrible. So when I finish writing several of these columns, uh, and I send them to, to my niece, who happens to be a professional writer, she writes for, for magazines, and, and she takes it and she goes back to what I've done. She doesn't change my ideas, but she may change some of the ideas, some of the constructions, uh, may resequence things. So she gives me, I had a product that just good, she gives me back a product that this good. So wherever you are, leadership role, unless you're a really good writer, Find somebody to help you. There's always somebody somewhere in your network who, who, who can help you with things like that. So writing is a very important, very important piece. Another skill that I often hear people talk about are, are uh, people who have good listening skills. But so often, a lot of times people are waiting to fire up their next point that they're so into that that they're not actually listening to what the other person is saying. Um, and so what do you say to those people who uh, aren't really listening? Um, it seems like the younger you are, the less likely you are to listen. So the younger you are, the more you have to work on disciplining yourself in this area. Uh, it, it's, it's really, it, it's a personal discipline. Uh, and, and I wasn't good at it when I was young. It, it, it took time, but I learned by, by going to the stores as I was talking about before and just asking employees, what, what's happening, what's happening, and, and learning from the people who are selling the product, uh, about the product, uh, that's the way I was learning. Another thing, when I'm at a, some high-level discussion and people uh, are pitching ideas out and so on, I want to say something, but I don't want to interrupt. I, get, I take a notepad out and I write down so that I can go back to that. I can listen to you finish, and I can go back to my thought later on. Uh, if, if, you, if, you, if you're so excited about this and you interrupt somebody else, you're really never going to hear what that person, person had to say. And listening is probably the, the skill that we as human beings are the worst at. And, and uh, probably with all this electronics we have around us today, it's probably even at worst. So it's, it's a personal discipline. But if you want to be respected, become a good listener. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, a good listener will respect you. Yeah, that's that's true. I I know um, another thing that uh, I guess people on the other side of it who are maybe trying to or aspiring to a leadership position. um, Sometimes I see people who are maybe misplaced within a company and maybe their skill sets should be in a different area. How does that person get leadership to take note of what the person may actually be, you know, just an expert in or really good at and make 
better use of that particular skill set? Well, that's, that's a matter of communication. Um, and and, and uh, I would hope that you'd be able to talk to your boss and say, say, boss, I'm, I'm, I'm in this slot doing such and such a job, but I'm really much better at and more passionate about doing X job over here. And, and I would like you to consider moving me into that role or helping you get into that role. Uh, that's, that would be an, a simple thing to do. If, if you don't have that kind of rapport with your boss, maybe you can talk to somebody in the HR department. Um, or in situations like this, maybe one of the things to do is to counsel with your, whoever you're closest to, your spouse or your mom or dad or, your, or somebody like that, and, and just, just talk it out. But generally speaking, businesses want, you know, if you're great at something, I want you where you can be great at it, not someplace else. So, so well-run businesses want the best people in, in, in the right job. And it's a matter of communication with whoever can make those decisions in a constructive way. Mm -hmm. and, and so I'm sure that's that's something that maybe motivates people to do good work. What are some other things that certainly might motivate people in in doing a good job? Well, you're you're, you're right up my hot button, Mally. Now, uh, here's some some words for everybody to remember. Number one motivator of people is recognition. Recognition. You want people to work for you. Learn how to be a good recognizer. Somebody does a good job today. Great job today, Mary. Great job today, Charlie. When your team does something great, celebrate with the team. Pat the whole team on the on the back. Uh, send personal notes to people if, if need be. So or or individual emails or whatever. Just you, you want to build teams and, and get people working together. Recognition is the number one motivator. And, and you always have to be sincere. But just find ways to pat people on the back in whatever way makes the most sense in, in your organization and in your workplace. There's no downside, there's no downside to recognizing performance. Absolutely. And what are some other um, keys, perhaps, to building uh, strong teams and building teamwork? Uh, let's start with setting directions. People need to know where they're going. They want to know. They want to know we're going over the hill and we're going to you know, accomplish this. They, they want to know that, and, and and they want to be wherever you can involve people in the decision making process. Uh, so so that when you're setting direction, people people have already bought into it at least one and part of it. Uh, so people need to know where they're going. Uh, another is communication. You've got to keep talking to people. You got to if your if your goal is to, to do something. There should be points of measure along the way. We're halfway, we're a quarter of the way there. Uh, we're on target. We're not on target. Um, people need to know how, how they're doing, and, and, they need to, and we need to be honest with them. Uh, we, we need to, uh, one of the things I always say in our, our organization is we are a no secrets organization. No secrets organization. We're not going to keep any secrets from you. We're gonna, the more you know, the more productive you can be. And, and, and the, the, the more, one of the things I always say is push decision making as far down the ladder as you can. If, if somebody working for you can make a decision and make something happen, let them do it. Uh, don't burden yourself with, with doing something that somebody else can do. Plus, if the somebody else does it, they, they develop more confidence in themselves and they say, well, you know, I can do this now. And, and so they, they'll get it done. They'll overcome the obstacles maybe better than you would. And then they look up to you and they say, wow, the boss trusts me. Greater loyalty, greater respect, greater productivity. 
What do you think happens to the individual that is not able to listen and do some of these very practical things that you're talking about? What do you kind of see the direction uh, for those individuals? I mean, it's a very tough time. So it's time to really pay attention and, and make sure that we're all moving in the right direction when it comes to uh, leadership, because it has never been a more important time than now. Uh, to move in that direction. It's, yeah, it, it is more important now. You, you tend to be, you're not with people as much, so, and, and there's a lot to be said for human interaction. Uh, but but we, we've all got to, we've all got, to, when we're in leadership roles, you've got to be doing the right things all the time. And if we're not doing that, if we're not listening, if we're not paying attention, if we're not uh, uh, interacting with the people who work for us, sooner or later, it's going to catch up with you. Uh, and and catch up with you in different ways. It may just be lower productivity or it may, you may wind up um, getting put up, put in a different position. It's just, you, you got to keep doing what's right in spite of the obstacles we face today with COVID-19 and staying at home and all those other things. But you just got to got to slide through it and do what makes sense in the most practical way possible. Mm-hmm. We're going to take another quick break, and uh, it's probably our final break before we prepare to wrap up. Um, we'll we'll take a moment here, and we'll be back right after this. A lot of things have come to a screeching halt due to COVID-19, but you should know that the court system in Tennessee is still open and holding in-person hearings for orders of protection and other types of abuse cases. If you have a hearing date, double-check on where your hearing will be held. If you need assistance on an order of protection or temporary restraining order, contact the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443 or visit our website at www.las.org. And we're here with Joe Scarlett talking about leadership. Um, Great conversation today, Joe. I really appreciate your coming on. I want to talk a little bit about how much time you actually have spent sort of teaching and coaching people over those years that you worked uh, uh, as president and chairman at Tractor Supply Company. I have been passionate about about teaching and coaching for a long, long time. Uh, Early in my career, I was supervising uh, operations in a, a number of states in the Northeast, and and it, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out what I when we have good people in that store, I don't have to travel there as often. And so I, I spent an inordinate amount of time selecting and developing and, and coaching the right people in those stores. So it was uh, it was a matter of, of always uh, following down that uh, the, down that path of, of um, delegation and. and getting the right people in, in, in the story. What was the question you asked me? I got sidetracked telling the story here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically, um, I was just asking how much time you spent like oh, teaching and coaching <clears throat> others. I know, uh, you know, there had to be a lot of time that you really spent developing people as, uh, as part of your, you know, role as, as uh, in leadership at Tractor uh, Supply. Well, I, I spent a lot of time teaching at Tractor Supply University. Uh, when we were on the road visiting stores, which was half of my life, uh, I, I would spend time at, 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 the, at the break times, even in the car between stores or, or, or at dinner or lunch, talking about um, skill building and how to become better at what we're doing. And I would challenge the people I was with about their career ambitions and uh, where they're going and where they're going next. And, it was, and those were very interesting conversations. Uh, and it, 
I'm, I'm surprised sometimes about how how many how people some people had a very clear plan about where they're going and others did not. And it was fun to, to approach people through, okay, well, what do you want to do next? And sometimes they really haven't thought about it. Well, if you put together a plan to figure out how, where you want to go next, uh, to make a big difference. So, so to talk to your boss, to talk to your, whoever you need to talk to to figure out what you have to learn to get to the next stage of, of your career. So put together a, a, a plan for where you're going to go next. Uh, I spent a lot of time in coaching, and, and as, as I look back on my career, uh, the most rewarding, the, 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 the thing that is most rewarding to me is being able to look back on so many people I helped develop and help be successful in one way. More, more than any sort of awards of money or any other thing. It's about developing people. Yeah, I've worked uh, in the capacity as a, as a teacher, and it is, it's so great to see people that you've helped and written letters of recommendation for and, and really taught them you know the direction they should go in to actually see them in positions where they're succeeding it's nothing more rewarding than that and I think that's great um, to just be able to see others um, being successful and what they have been put on this earth uh, to do so that's always a, a wonderful thing um, one thing I wanted to mention is I know you know Everyone makes mistakes, right? Um, if you are in leadership and you have made a mistake with something, what maybe are the particular steps that one should take if they're in corporate leadership when a mistake has been made to rectify the situation? Well, the, the first thing you need to recognize is that when you made a mistake and screwed something up, everybody knows about it. So trying to deny it just basically foolish. So first thing you gotta do is say, okay, I screwed this up. Now let's work together to see how we're gonna do it. I'll give you a great example, a monumental screw up that I did. Uh, back in the 1990, end of the 1990s, when Y2K was coming down the road, uh, with younger folks, that new computers wouldn't work when we got to the year 2000. Uh, we were convinced by our IT people to change computer systems from one system to a different system. And, and uh, everybody um, on our team went along with that except for one person. And I did not listen to that one person. We went forward with, with new computer systems and, and it in fact paralyzed the company. Uh, and we, we, were, we were in a state of semi-paralysis for several months. Mm. And what, what I did is I apologized and stood up and said, I'm responsible for this. Um, and, and then I worked around the clock to help our IT people get caught up. Well, I'd be there, I'd go in the middle of the night and, and, and send flowers to, to the guys' wives and all sorts of things to stay in the process, helping them, having them back, holding them in, and every possible way to, to fix the process. And we did. But it was just a, I made a bad decision. I took ownership for it, did everything I could to help get things back on track. That is so key that owning up to whatever happened and then moving on from it um, and, and being able to rectify the situation. And so, so many people kind of want to sweep things under the rug and act like something didn't happen, but we all know it did. And so you need to actually take the steps and, and people watch that. That's, that's something they're watching 
when it comes to leadership. So um, key and so important. Um, wanted to ask, um, you, you have a saying that leaders are always on stage. What do you mean by that? Uh, when we're in a leadership role, whether you're managing a tractor supply store in a small town in Texas or whether you're the CEO of a company of 2,000 stores, no matter where you are, you, you represent that, that position and, and you are a leader. People think of you as a leader. And, and so you're, you're a whole package and what, what you do impacts other people. So if you, if you act in a, conduct yourself in a professional way uh, at, at work, or in the community, or at church, in your family, people will, will respect you. But if, if you act like a jackass, um, and the typical example is where some leadership person is, goes into a restaurant and uses the, the waitress. Um, we've seen things like that happen, and that just is showing your immaturity, and, and, and people will automatically downgrade you. So you just you always think about you're always on stage, unless you're, you know, visiting China or something like that. But wherever you are in your community, your church, wherever you, you are, people people are observing you. So always, I will always happen the most professional. Way. Mm -hmm. I remember um, years ago, I was a, a news reporter and I interviewed um, Jerry Falwell uh, with the religious right in uh, Virginia. And he was talking about that as well. He said he, he realizes where he realized at the time, he said, wherever he went, that people were always watching him. Yeah. And so uh, he said his whole philosophy was not to ever allow his brother to stumble. And you know, he realized that if he did something that was wrong, there were a lot of people that might follow behind him. And so, so important that we, we think about how our actions might impact uh, other people because they are watching. As we get ready to wrap up here, I want to ask what your uh, final thoughts are when it comes to some a piece of advice that you would give to young leadership that might be facing certainly some of the most difficult uh, trials in, in their careers from burnout to indecision and making choices that can really affect one's livelihood and future. What, what do you have to, to say to them as we prepare to, to wrap up today as, as yep. far as encouragement and, and being able to still succeed and, and power through this very difficult time? Um, I, I think back to my, my own career, I was somewhat impulsive and, and uh, indecisive in some ways when I was younger. But I, I would say that probably the most important thing is to uh, decide whatever they would say would just toughen up. But, but, but more important is, is find people that you can talk to, that, that, that you can trust. And uh, if, you can, if you're fortunate enough to, to find a mentor, that's, that's the best of all world. But if not, talk to your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your spouse. And, and try to find some person or people that you can talk to, you can sort of, you know, spill out your your thoughts, and then you can talk things out, and that'll help you come to the to the to the most clear, give you the greatest clarity in terms of, of what to do and where to go. Um, the, the, when you can trust, I I put I I I've found people in my life always that I can talk to and trust, and in one way or another, and and uh, it, it really. It really works for me.
Wonderful advice. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Celeste Stein Show. Um, you have been a wealth of information as you've talked about your wonderful career and giving us some excellent advice on leadership at such a crucial time in our nation's history. As we wrap up, if you would like to advertise on the Celeste Stein Show, please visit www.bsaprinc for more information. That's all the time we have for now. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in two weeks.